This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I was driving and they just punched me, slapped me. I was bleeding straight away. Like I needed a new toilet brush. <laughs> you open up your phone and there's an ad for a toilet brush. Yeah. <laughs> Where you've got health and safety incidents happening on these sites, absolutely people are worried. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. What a lovely morning out there. Absolutely stunner. Okay, it's windy. I don't know how windy it is now, but it was quite windy when I was getting myself ready this morning. But when I came out to let the dogs have their morning conversation with Mother Nature, as you do, it was a beautiful, clear sky. Lovely. You weren't thinking there'd been a, a storm gone over us during the night. And then you turn on the radio or the television or pick up your social media and you'll see the havoc in Galway. There's some videos from Galway where the waters come right into Salt Hill. There's cars. You can barely see the roof of them. It certainly looks as if we escaped the worst down here. And I know we've been getting messages as well since we came in to the office from people who were <laughs> browned off to say the least that their kids are now at home until 10 they've had to rearrange their childcare they've had to organise transport ring their boss and say listen I can't come in until after 10 because I've got to get the oomph out of the school and the schools are closed till 10 and the school buses are off all last evening people were getting messages around Cork City and County that the school bus was off until 10 or the school mightn't even open until after 10 and, and then you wake <laughs> You wake up this morning and you look out at that and you wonder, hang on a second, who's kidding who here? You wonder, is it as simple as that? Let's catch up, as we usually do, with Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. And I'll get to that point in a minute, Alan, about, you know, the warnings and, and whether they were accurate or not. But certainly in the case of Storm Debbie, when you look at up the country, we seem to have escaped the worst down here, Alan. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, certainly the, the southwest did escape the worst of it. There was some strong gusts into parts of Kerry very early in the night, 
but the centre of the storm did track a little bit further north and forecast and the strongest and most damaging winds were much further north um, of Cork into uh, parts of the west in the Midlands and now into the east and the northeast. You were tracking it pretty much all night, so you haven't had a, a wink of sleep. D- did it move according to plan or was it a bit random? So it was a little bit further north, which meant the, the strongest of the winds were a little bit further north than what the weather models had shown. Now, the local impacts vary a lot. So we have um, a number of local weather stations that are reporting gusts in excess of what Met Airn's stations had reported. Uh, we have seen gusts of over 115 kilometres an hour at some Met Airn stations, but a local station, Roscommon, recorded 149 kilometres an hour. And another station in Galway Bay also recorded over 135 kilometres an hour. So I think we did have some very severe and damaging gusts, and that's why there's 100,000 premises across the country without power this morning. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying on my social media, if you're waking up this morning to give out about the fact that you've got a blue sky, but you have you know power and everything's okay, maybe think about all the people that are waking up this morning that don't have electricity and yeah. that have trees down and have damage done. And sadly, a lot of damage done into parts of Galway with bad coastal flooding. Um, so there has been some big impacts, mm-hmm. but just Cork, thankfully on this occasion for the Cork people, has escaped the worst of it. Now, it's led to messages coming in to us this morning, Alan. I'll just read one of them to you. How do they get these warnings so wrong? Not a puff of wind here all night. Now I have to bring my child to school for 10 because the, the school buses are cancelled by bus Aaron. Precautions were put in place last evening that may have turned out not to be necessary. Are they over-warning, under-warning? What do you think is going on, Alan? It's very hard to win with that one. Um, I mean, it's funny. I was getting a lot of messages from people in Cork yesterday wanting to know would it not go orange down there or red. They were looking for orange and red warnings. Um, (laughs) Maybe it was people that didn't want to get out of bed or what. But it's very difficult. These storms that develop very quickly and move in very quickly are very hard to pinpoint exactly where they're going to hit. So, you know, I think the worst case scenario, you always have to forecast for it and hope for the best case scenario. I mean, to be fair, PJ, it's a couple of hours this morning. I've no doubt it's after causing a lot of headaches for parents, especially with kids. But, you know, it wouldn't it be far better to inconvenience people by a few hours than have somebody out driving when trees are coming down, which has happened in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. We have to be so... Im- to, to be over-careful rather than under-careful, I think, probably. Is there another one? I was listening to a late-night radio discussion, Alan, and I admit I was half asleep, but... Is there another one coming in on the back of Debbie later this week? There is potential for another system around Thursday, but at the moment it looks likely to miss Ireland to go south of us, which you know could change, but yeah. at the moment it doesn't look too concerning for us. And actually Cork will get some good sunshine now today and tomorrow um, and Wednesday. There will be some showers, but actually not too much rain for all the next couple of days. There is a risk of more heavy rain Thursday and into Friday and Saturday. So we are staying unsettled, but we have a little bit of a, a respite, um, thankfully. And that's the other part, like the, the winds, you know, from Storm Debbie are, are one thing. There was a lot of rainfall in parts of the west, over 30 millimetres, and it's still raining very heavily in the northwest with more flooding likely there. So thankful that Cork missed the wind and the rain, but um, these, these storms, you know, they, they can change course. So I, I think the thing is, be, be thankful rather than maybe you know, critical of it. We've had four in the space of a few weeks, Alan, and again, of course, the climate change discussion comes to light. 
are they, are we getting them more frequently now? Is that what you're seeing? Well, the frequency of them isn't necessarily to, to kind of, you know, 100% down to climate change. We, we, we get storms and depends on the weather pattern. Yeah. What is impacting climate change, or sorry, what climate change is impacting is the severity of these storms. And what's interesting about Storm Debbie was I posted some charts on Friday evening saying that some of the weather models were showing something, nothing to the extent of what Debbie was or was forecast to be, but this, this storm developed very rapidly and the warmer seas are, are creating that, where these storms develop much quicker than uh-huh. any of the supercomputer weather models can even forecast a co- more than a couple of days out. So oh. climate change is definitely making it more difficult to forecast these storms too. That's a point now, it's going to take what you just said. The storms are developing faster than the computers can pick them up. Yes. Yes, oh. I mean, on Friday there was one weather model that really showed something similar to Debbie, but most of the others, most of the main ones didn't show it at all. It was really Saturday before. So, you know, that's very short-term forecasting, really. Like, a lot of people were messaging me complaining that there was no idea about this on Friday when they were leaving home, and they could have brought the laptop home with them to work from home on Monday morning, but they had no idea this was coming. But really, none of the weather models really had any idea this was coming on Friday. Yeah, which brings us to an old discussion we've had at this time of the year before, Alan. The bookies will be putting up their prices soon for a white Christmas. (laughs) Waste of money and time. Indeed, trying to go trying to go more than a few days at the moment is tricky. So trying to talk about a white Christmas is certainly maybe look at the horoscopes. <laughs> Absolutely, you get more truth in there. Alan, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Take care. Go off and get some sleep, fella. Uh, Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlow Weather tracking Storm Debbie all night. We got away very lightly down here. It could have been a lot worse for us, but it wasn't. And if you listen to Alan, there's some nice weather in store for us here in Cork for the next couple of days. But there's a point he was making, which is a very strong point. Some of the storms we're getting in now are changing faster than the computers can predict. And bearing in mind, Alan sits across four or five different models, watches all the different prediction models, and then does his own thing. And as we've come to recognise over the last couple of years since we've spoken to him regularly on the programme, he's the best there is, uh, and it's his hobby. And he's saying to us now that the storms are changing faster than the models can predict the changes. And that is, uh, it's kind of scary. All right, uh, we have a voice note in 83 This is from Rowan, I think. Quick one for you there. There is an accident outside the Bonds Hospital um, next to UCC on College Road. No security sources. Emergency services are there, but um, delays are to be expected. So, hope everyone's okay. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate that. And if you spot anything that you think we should know about, 083 396 96 96. The next storm, if it should arrive and have a name put on it, would be Ellen, E-L-I-N, another sort of an Irish name. Ellen, E-L-I-N, will be the next one. But they haven't called a name on that system yet. So Alan seems to think it will uh, go south of us and we should be all right, <laughs> which would be no bad thing. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Call 
The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Stable Bar Darts Team presents an exhibition with Chris Doby at the Stable Bar Carrigaline on Sunday the 19th of November. Doors open at 6pm with the event starting at 7 and proceeds will go towards Shine. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM. The Tidy Towns and Toker were on to know if we could help them with something. They've got a new project. They're cleaning the roundabout out by Cork Builders Providers out there near Kelleher's Electrical. And they're sharing the pictures on the social media, looking for some volunteers. You know those roundabouts. And they get banky and they get dirty and they get grimy and they get grubby. And the Tidy Towns people in Toker are trying to uh, tidy them up and clean them up maybe for the Christmas. So, Tidy Towns Toker you'll find on social media and they will uh, be delighted to have you help if you could. Volunteers needed for the Tidy Towns and Toker to help with cleaning up those roundabouts uh, in the run-up to Christmas. Another faux grabug, to use an old expression that my teacher used to use long ago. Uh, Phil Goodman was on to me, the great Phil Goodman from Douglas was on and her latest Young at Heart Tea Dance. They're great events. I've gone along to many of them and the boy often performs at them and they, they love him at them. Uh, they've got one on Sunday, the 19th, that's uh, next Sunday, at the Ga down in Douglas, half two to half five, ten quid, and all the usual festivities will apply. So happy to help with that. 0818 96 96 96. On last Friday, the annual Bravery Awards were handed out by the Cowan Corda. It's an event that happens every year around this time. And 26 civilians and Gardaí were awarded for various acts of bravery around the country. They included water rescues. Uh, there was one man awarded for stopping an attempted abduction and someone who got in the way of an attempted murder and prevented it. They were all awarded for their bravery. There was a man who saw a woman being swept away by a strong current on the River Lee. His name was Kevin O'Sullivan. He jumped in on his stag night. He got into the water in November 2020 and helped the woman and got her to safety, which was fantastic. The youngest recipient of one of these awards was a 10-year-old boy called Mark O'Connor. And uh, Mark's mom. Mary joins me now. Mary, this happened was just a couple of weeks before Christmas last year, wasn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, it was the 14th of December last year. Um, so it was literally that last week before Christmas uh, mm-hmm. where the weather was very cold. Um, so coming up on a year now. What happened? Um, so we were on our way down to work. I work in Borbui and my two children are with me in the car. They go to school in the National School in Borbui as well. So we were nearly at work, um, literally about two minutes from Boherwee and we came around the corner and the car just hit a bit of black ice and we lost complete control. Um, we went all over the road and I just remember thinking, oh my God, I hope nobody is coming against us because we were gone straight into them. There was nothing we could do. I mean, we had no control of the car. Yeah. The car actually left the road, um, went in over a ditch into a field and eventually um, landed down in a drain kind of underneath the road. Um, now, we kind of knew the minute we had, you know, come to a stop or come to a hard bang, I should say, um, we knew that I was in trouble of my back. It all happened in seconds, but it, it must have oh, felt like the seconds. longest couple of seconds of all time, did it? 
Oh, you said it all there, it did, yeah. It felt like hours, to be honest with you. Um, Even from the time we left the road, I thought the car would never stop. And it was just the worry about where it was going to stop or how it was going to stop or what condition we were going to be in. And it did stop, you know. Um, But we say when we hit the, when we, when we initially hit the ground, um, it was on my daughter's side of the car and it actually burst open her window. So that was the only way actually of getting out of the car because all the doors were, you know, they were very damaged, like they couldn't be opened. Well, was there much of a drop, Mary, between the road and where you landed? There was a good bit of a drop, all right, and then to make it worse, then we went down into a drain under the road, and oh, um, just for you know, as if things aren't bad enough. Um, but yeah, so Mark actually was the only one who could get out of the car himself. So he decided anyway that he was getting out and going for help because where we were, I suppose we were, you know, slightly under the road that you could actually drive past us without seeing us, if you know what I mean. And the fact as well that it was minus seven, you know, I suppose I was just terrified that another car or some kind of vehicle would come around that same bend, hit the same black ice and, you know, either come in on top of us or, you know, it was just, that was the big worry, I suppose, that they wouldn't see us. And then Max decided anyway he was getting out. You you had hurt your back and you knew instantly you'd hurt your back. Yeah, well, I knew I knew my back was in trouble straight away. Like, I mean, it was desperate, desperate pain at my back, but it was complete impact. I mean, we, we bent up the bottom of the car. Like, I mean, it was just, yeah, complete impact. But um, Mark climbed out over his sister out the broken window because none of the doors could open. And he said anyway that he was going for help. And I said, oh my God, I don't know. Like, because, you know, I was just so terrified that he was going to get knocked down himself or, you know, oh, it was just, there were so many factors really. But anyway, nothing would do him. He decided he was going off. And I remember being inside in the car. I couldn't see him because we were face down into the drain. And I said, oh my God, and I was just inside in the car praying that, you know, a car wouldn't come around the bend and knock him down or, you know, just, uh, I was, my heart was in my mouth and I thought he'd never come back, I'll be honest with you. And he actually wasn't gone that long, but <laughs> I thought he would never come back. But he did come back. Um, he actually went out to the road in fairness to him and he flagged down the first vehicle, which was the school bus. And it was actually the school bus going to my work. I work in the secondary school. Um, so in fairness, the bus driver stopped and he knew that there was something wrong. He couldn't see the car, but he said to Mark, are you OK? Did, did he know him? Did the bus driver know Mark? No, he didn't know him at all. No, no, because okay. this was the bus to the secondary school. We'll say Mark is in the national school. And Mark explained that Mammy and his sister were trapped in the car. And in fairness to the bus driver, the bus driver said, you know, he obviously couldn't really stop because he had a busload of children. And, you know, so he waited for the next car to come on and his lovely man in the van stopped. And that man actually came in and helped us and the bus went on because obviously he had to... Um, now, Mark came back then, like Mark was after ringing the ambulance in at this point, in fairness to him, he had my phone. Right. And he rang the ambulance, yeah. <laughs> so a nine-year-old has the presence of mind to ring 999. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. And he he was at his best trying to explain where we were. And like this is a road we travel every day, twice a day. I mean, we know it like the back of our hands, but... In the panic of it, you know, he was trying to explain where we were. The dispatcher, you know, couldn't really understand. And he passed the phone to me and she like, I was in bits. And I mean, I'm traveling this road 17 years and I still couldn't explain where I was, you know. know. Um, but anyway, this lovely man who stopped in the van took the phone from the, the two of us and was able to explain where we were. So, um, but yeah, like he was unbelievable. And then I suppose after that, then the air ambulance came for me, then the helicopter. They were just fabulous. And I was transferred to CUH then. And then our daddy, Max, um, or my husband came down then he was rang he was at work so he came down then and he was just there on time really to go in the ambulance with you know Mark and Sive so they went in then to New Age as well to get checked out you, you must have been terrified Mary not just for yourself but for your kids I mean was Sive okay was she she was okay 
Five is okay. Um, like how she came out of it as good as she did is just unbelievable because it was really her side of the car. A lot of yeah. it, you know, took the initial impact when we hit the ground when we came in over the ditch. But um, no, she's perfect, absolutely perfect. Thanks be to God. And good. you know, Mac was good as well. He's sore back, a bit of whiplash and things. But no, thanks be to God. Like we were very lucky. Very, very lucky. And how your own back? Did, are you making a full recovery or what's the story? Yeah, um, no, I was out of action for a few months. I broke vertebrae in my back and ribs as well. So, yeah, I did a bit of damage. Um, but I was in um, a back brace then from my neck down to my waist for three months. So there wasn't a whole pile I could do there for, there was a lot of Netflix <laughs> um, for those couple of months. But anyway, um, but even through that, like, um, you know, Mac was great. So was his sister. Like he's come in, in the morning, put on shoes and socks for me. And, you know, just the little things that I couldn't do. And, you know, he was emptying dishwashers and, you know, he just really, oh, he really stepped up. Like he was absolutely Good brilliant. For him. You know, he didn't have to be asked to do it. He just did it. He was great. There's, there's, there's proud mammy all over your voice if you don't mind me saying oh, <laughs> proud mammy <laughs> very proud mammy when did you find out then about this wonderful award we found out about this in the summertime um, we knew that the application had gone in but like I suppose you know we didn't we didn't think any more about it who, who put it in Mary um, so myself and the guards actually who attended the scene that morning um, it was a joint effort there but um, we were very lucky with the guards that came out that day to the accident. They were fabulous, you know, and even afterwards they were brilliant. Um, so we we're very lucky with that. But even the award itself, like I suppose it was such, we were blown away that he actually got it and we were just so honoured. And even being up there, like there was 20 people got awarded the stories. Each one was just more remarkable than the next. And to be part of this, you know, real elite group of amazing people was just so I don't know, it was just so overwhelming, to be honest with you. It was, you know, I cried through the whole thing, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was amazing. And we're just so proud here today. And I'm really proud of him every day. But it's just, it's delighted that he got the recognition because he's gas. Like when we told him about it, um, he said to me, you know, why am I getting this? And I said, well, Mark, you were just amazing. And he had no concept of what he did and how extraordinary it was like you know he just had no concept of it and I wanted to tell the world really about it and he said you know we'll hang on we won't tell anyone and even the night before the award I said you know Mark we better ring Nana like because you know in case you were on the newspaper or anything like <laughs> we'll never be forgiven but Nana didn't even know no the night before Nana got the phone call yeah I was allowed to ring Nana the night before he was very hot hot about it Um, no obviously thanks be to God like he's delighted obviously but that'll be Mark no fuss you know yeah. Um, he's a bit of a cool cucumber yeah <laughs> is he there with you he's here will I put him on PJ I'd love to talk to him hello hello young man how are you I'm good thanks yeah. congratulations on that fantastic award thanks it was really, it was really exciting winning it. I'm sure it was. What do you remember about the accident, about the day of the accident? Well, I remember just going around the corner and hitting the black ice and then it was just gone, like going zigzag all over the road. And then it went over into a field, into a drain and oh my God, like it was just, just crazy. You got out of the window. Yeah, I did, yeah. I actually, it was just, I was so scared at the same time because I wasn't really sure what to do, but then I just did it because I felt it was the right thing to do, so I just did it. Right. And you stopped the bus. Yeah, I did. And then the bus waited for the car, and the car came and he helped Mommy inside with the car. 
mommy was really sore and so I've, she she was just oh she looks really sore as well mm. I was just so worried about them all what about yourself Do you, were you hurt yeah I was but I just pushed through the pain good for you young fella you know you're a very brave young man thanks yeah <laughs> tell me about the award ceremony very special day so um, they were like there was a little story about each person and um, then you'd get called up and they'd give you the certificate of bravery I didn't realise how big of a deal it was until 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 the day and when I received it I was actually just so happy and so proud of myself good for you and so you should be and so you should be you did a fantastic thing what about all your friends in school? Do they all know about it? Yeah, I told them the day before us. Yeah, you told you only told your nana the day before. Yeah, I only told her. The why? Day why before. did you? Why did you keep it such a secret? I don't know, really. I just kept it a secret until the day before. Well, it's brilliant, and you're a fantastic young man. Congratulations. Thanks. Put him back onto your mom for a second. Hi, Peter. Hi, Mary. He's a character. <laughs> Thanks very much. Oh, keeps us on our toes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'm delighted for you all. You're making a good recovery. Yes, thank God. Good. Thank God. As they say, cars can be fixed and replaced, but people can't. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Do you know what I said? It's kind of given us a new outlook on life. Yeah. Um, a bit more carpe diem now, to be honest, about what's important. So. Does, yeah, it does, doesn't it? You kind of you get through something like it that. Does. You have a whole different take now on life. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what? I just think we're all running and racing, you know, getting to work, doing the after school activities, all the rest of it. And, you know, we just need to stop, just press pause and take time out and enjoy being here, like all of us together, and thank God we are. And you know, even Christmas last year, I was still a bit, you know, under the weather, like I was in the back brace and everything, and things are a bit upside down. But we just had the most lovely Christmas. Um, it was just lovely because you know what? It was just this appreciation that we were all there. You know, we take a lot for granted, and I think it was just a very stark reminder of you know every day is a blessing, and we shouldn't take anything for granted. So, like, definitely, very much fresh outlook. Yeah. I bet when you sat down that Christmas day, even in the the oh. brace and in pain you're kind of thinking yeah. crikey we might not have been here absolutely yeah or you know even we might not have been here in what condition we could have been in you know and it's just oh there was definitely someone looking out for us that morning there's no doubt about it like it, it should have been so much worse you know and thanks be to God like that it wasn't and we're all here to tell the story and you know my husband coming down the car kind of put it very nicely he said you know what he said this is happy end to you know what was a hard year I suppose like and even now, I think when we think back in the crash, we think back about the award ceremony and the lovely time we had in Dublin and, you know, just that recognition for Mark and I suppose for himself as well, because, I mean, he's dead for me, tell him how great he is, like, but for someone else, you know, to actually, to, to say that to him and for, you know, to realise just how great he was and how the actions that morning were just extraordinary for a nine-year-old, like, Absolutely. I think he'd, he'd take more notice of them than me, I think, to know in a way, like, so it's fabulous, yeah. Mary, I wish you all very well and when it comes around this year have a wonderful family Christmas. Thanks PJ, you too, thank you. You're more than welcome. Ah, lovely people, lovely family. Uh, he's a fantastic kid, he's only 10. There's a character in the making there in young, young Mark O'Connor, recipient of a bravery award on Friday. 
for that role he played in the rescue and just about coming up on a year ago now. And to everybody else who was awarded at that ceremony on Friday, we send our best. 0818 96 96 96. There's a philosophy there, though, in what Mary is talking about towards me the last couple of minutes. You know, be grateful for what you have. Be Be grateful for what we have and who we have around us because the day or the hour might come when when they won't be there. Uh, yeah. Busy week locally, or busy weekend rather, locally, news-wise as well, with shots. I got videos into my social media yesterday of shots being fired, or what you could certainly hear shots being fired. And there was that very bad fire uh, up north side of the city also. We'll catch up on those stories next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96FM. You want the biggest hits? Well, what a bit of um, real 90s. Beyond real. Other people would be like, you want to hear something? I'm like, yes. Love it. What a tune. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. Everything I drop is a banger. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Cork's 96 FM. A couple of stories uh, from over the weekend. Got a video sent to me yesterday. Down about lunchtime by the time I got it. But this shots fired. Discharge, or it sounded like shots being fired from the north side of, or in the, on the north side of the city. Katie from the newsroom will take that one up first. When did this happen? What are they telling you? Good morning. So, yes, an investigation is underway uh, following reports of shots being fired in the north side of Cork City and it was the early hours of Sunday morning. The Gardaí have confirmed that they received a report of an incident involving the discharge of a firearm at a residential premises in Ballyvalan. Now, there were no injuries reported and the investigation is ongoing. And no, nothing more being given? No. Nothing more being given and we've not heard anything about that from this end either. Now, there was a bad, bad fire um, a lot of damage done uh, up at the that, um, recycling centre in Churchfield. There was, so at 5.48am Sunday morning, uh, units of Cork City Fire were called to a commercial fire on the north side of Cork City and it was at the Ashgrove Recycling and Waste Management Facility. So Gardaí are now investigating Um the emergency services in Gardaí spent about two hours at the scene. We got a statement from Ashgrove Recycling this morning and they have lost two vehicles, two trailers and one excavator, which runs into the thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do believe the fire was started deliberately. Mm. They seem to have picked something up according to it on CCTV. They picked something up so they know what they're dealing with. Yes, so they... Um, they they believe that it's a very sad day, they said, and they believe someone has set out to do this deliberately. Uh, but business is resuming today as usual at mm-hmm. the premises while Gardaí investigate. Yeah, Gardaí have, ju- they've just said they're investigating. They've no, no arrests made or nothing? Nothing yet. Nothing, nothing. Okay. Those two to follow over the next day or two. Casey, thank you. Thank you very much, Katie O'Keefe. From the Cork's 96FM newsroom, there's another story. Developed legs and tails, didn't it? And we broke it here on Friday morning, the story of what happened down at Clostert and Craveen in Fermoy. And we took a call from Mary, who, who young, as a youngster at the school, and the youngster came home with the makings of a story about ambulances and guards and all of that being called 
And as usual, from a youngster, you get what they have to give you and not a whole lot more. But Mary called us. We asked the school about it and subsequently the Gardaí were involved and it has been confirmed there was an incident, they call it a medical incident, for youngsters involved in it in Cloucester and Craving. Um, you'll have seen more on your newspapers over the weekend. Certain items taken for forensic examination. Mary, when she contacted us, her young person didn't know what the cause of this incident was. The rumour, the strict rumour that was going around, strictly a rumour, was that it was vapes that had been had something else put into them. Um, but we know no more other than that. But certainly uh, a much bigger incident than we thought. And thankfully the poor youngsters are okay. But the forensic forensic examination of whatever was found uh, will take a while, we expect. 0818 And also sad news emerged at the weekend. That lovely store, Leafling Mercantile, in Ballinspittle, Shannon Keane, you're closing, unfortunately. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I reckon I've had a better weekend than you have had. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it was a tough call to make. Um, I also have the bakery next door, Diva Bakery. Mm-hmm. And um, I had opened Leafling in 2019 with my business partner, Tim O'Kennedy, who um, you might know from the Pie Guys. Yeah. And so, and it was going really well in 2019. And then of course, in obviously 2020 came around um, and we obviously, we closed because we're remote. So even though we were essential, um, a lot of people weren't coming to us because I'd say we get a lot of customers coming from the Kinsale direction and, you know, the guards were kind of stopping everybody from traveling and so then when we reopened it was grand we were doing quite well um tim i tim had i had bought tim out but i work full-time in the bakery next door Mm -hmm. and um basically it's a really great business but i employ people um to work you know and just with the cost of everything going up this last year i mean previous years was grand um, but this last year is just definitely different. It's like I was speaking with another business owner and they're like, yeah, it's really dicey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good word. It's dicey. You know, yeah. like you have a great week. Um, you know, we rely on the imbalance, but we rely on the summers to kind of pull us through to the winter and we mm-hmm. get through Christmas and whatnot. But we didn't have that summer this year with the rain. July was awful. I'd say a lot more people were traveling outside of Ireland and it just, I had to make the call. Yeah. You know, it's also a very unique business. It, we rely on people coming in to refill. Um, and, do yeah, you know. Yeah, go, go through that with me for a minute, Shannon. That's part yeah. of what you do. And I was interested to see it. You have had people yeah. coming along to refill stuff. It's an, an ecological thing, I guess. Yeah, so we start one. Um, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Balance Biddle, but for like 48 years, it was the local butchers. It was Lorden's Butchers. And that's the space that I took over because I actually rent my bakery from them. So the space was empty, and I was looking for something like I mean, I had a cafe as well during COVID, closed after COVID, just kept with the bakery. And anything, anybody knows, like, you know, the physical work of working in the food industry is it's 
a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when the space came open, I was like, oh, it'd be great to just have something where I don't have to create something. You know, we order it in, we order in whatever it is, you know, our lentil. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Say organic. Hold on. Go back. Shannon, Shannon, you dropped out there on me for a second. You, oh. you, you, you were going, st- you, you order stuff in. Well, yeah, exactly. You just wanted to put somebody, I wanted the business to kind of run itself and with all the plastic and, you know, everything that is happening in the world now with our environment, I was like, this would be great. People can bring in their own containers. You know, it's not um, as hard work as say, you know, the bakery where we're constantly doing stuff and, you know, it was going well, but I would say probably diehard five to 10% of our customers refill. I mean, we have them, they come in each week, they bring their containers and the rest of the people, um, you know, this, we still use a lot of packaging. We couldn't get away without offering packaging, yeah. which is a bit of a shame. Um, but it's just the way, you know, it's just the way people shop. A lot of Habits people don't change prepare. slowly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the thing is, it's not a new thing. It's kind of like I was saying to somebody there a couple of days ago. I was like, it's actually going back to the way that people used to shop. Yeah. Do you know? It's true. If you go back 50 years, every, nothing was packaged. You know, you had a, a, you brought in your own stuff and you filled it up. Or, I mean, so that was a big, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's. It's. I made the decision to close because it's a really great business for owner operator, somebody yeah. to be in there. It's. But I can't physically be there, I and with you. minimum wage going up, everything that is going up or has gone up, um, our cost of goods have gone up. So, it's. It makes it difficult, and I know that there's other refill businesses around Ireland that have made the same decision. Yeah. You know, they've had to close. Um, you, you make the point yeah, that that. that it is cheaper for people to go to supermarkets and buy things and you don't blame them for that. But at the same time, you'd prefer if they shopped local coming up to Christmas. Yeah, I I suppose um, uh, somebody was interviewing me. I mean, I understand. I think the perception is that it is... Uh, more expensive that was I think that was misquoted there's a perception that we're more expensive but I have people bring in their containers from like their spice jars what they bought in the supermarket and it costs them 50 cents to refill that spice jar yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and like the veg that we provide it's all you know we um sell uh Stephen food for humans so it's all grown um in cork without chemicals we there's another little farm up the road that we buy from, um, you know, so in terms of the quality of the produce that you're getting, it's better value. Yeah. Now, I know, look, I mean, I know the big supermarkets support Irish farmers as well, uh, but you're buying without without the plastics, do you know? I understand. Um, and it's like, I think it's just really, I think we did a little reel there um, a couple of like we did it this summer, but then I only posted it right before I knew I was going to close. I forgot I'd done it. Or, and, um, but it's just so important to support the little shops because yeah. pretty soon there's just going to be big shops yeah. and we, we, you know, employ local people. Um, we support local producers. We focus heavily on Irish, 
Um, and, you know, and that's not to say other big supermarkets don't, but I think the convenience to have a shop like ours in Ballinspittle is amazing because, mm. you know, yeah, you can drive up to Cork, you can go to the English market to get some of the spices or the unique things. But isn't it great just to drive to Balance Biddle if you're living sure, within the radius sure. that you can save the petrol yeah. money, do you know? Yeah. Now, it, it's it's there as a going concern if anybody wants to take it over, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, it's, um, like I said, it's a, I, I feel that the business is definitely a, a, like a lifestyle working choice. I think that it would be a handy little business for somebody that's interested in food that's interested in the environment um, that maybe ha- wants a second income. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, you can sit there and chat to people and talk about food <laughs> and, yeah. and listen to nice music. And, you know, it's, it's a lovely kind of uh, a lifestyle choice. Yeah. You know, for me, if I didn't have the bakery, I would be in there, but you see, I have the bakery, and um, I don't think anybody wants to take that over. You're a bit of a serial entrepreneur, really, aren't you? (laughs) You The shop, the cafe, the bakery, you you always keep yourself going with projects. Yeah, well, I'm getting older now, (laughs) so I'm kind of (laughs) downsizing. Yeah, well, you've got the cafe, like, was there no no business for the cafe, or was... So what happened is, like many places, we ha- I, like if you've ever been to Balance Biddle, so um, originally I was in Kinsale, so I started in 2002 in Kinsale, moved out to Balance Biddle in 2006 with Cafe, and then basically we grew out of that, and the Lordens, those were my landlords, they had a space available for the bakery, so opened the bakery, and then... During COVID, it just didn't make sense to have two premises kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. And I had a lot of bills coming up. I don't know if you remember, we had a big gas explosion there in 2015. I remember. And as a result of that, my insurance like went sky high. Um, so during COVID, that insurance policy was coming up and I really had to make the decision. Like it, it was expensive. So I had to take a loan out for it every year. Mm. Um, so I was looking at the numbers, you know, like employing people, PRSI, all the stuff, and the the insurance. Mm. Insurance Dude, dropping like, in gosh, do I really want to do this? And, and be so uncertain, do you know? Okay. It was really uncertain time. So we just downsized, pulled back, and, and did the bakery. Okay. And, so and the, ba- the bakery, the bakery really is staying well. there. The bakery will stay there. And the, oh, yeah. the shop is, is available as a going concern you will be keeping it open. Will you be? You'll be closing. I take it this side of Christmas, will you, Shannon? Oh yeah, I will be. Yeah, I'd say a couple more weeks. Um, we'll still be trading, and you know, like I said, if somebody's interested, and there's been a few little. I've had a few little questions, you know, but yeah. I don't want to really want to say anything because no, I don't. That's really okay. Know. That's okay. You keep that to yourself. That's yeah. your business to deal with. Because it ha- would be. It would be a shame. It would be a shame. I mean, it's amazing. We had a brilliant weekend this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just, I just as you like, say, yeah. just as you say, you're done. Just as you say, you're, you're closed and you're, you're, you're mobbed. But that, that was a Shannon, yeah. wish you well yeah. with it at the future of the Diva Bakery and who knows what will happen with Leafling Mercantile in Balance Spittle. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. That reminds me, actually, of a, there was a shop in town 
there's a few shops used to do this, but every so often you have a closing down sale or a refurbishment sale or a new seat. Sales are a great way to get people in, but the closing down sale, the particular shop I'm thinking about, and I'm not going to mention it, I'm not even going to say where it is, but this particular shop had a closing down sale, I'd say, every year for five or six years. And they were always busy for the three or four weeks of the sale. 0818-969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Quartz 96 FM. some fun. Every day, your afternoon soundtrack, I've got it covered, although it's still a bit early for the Christmas tunes. It's too early. Scream it again. It's too early. One more time, Alison. It's too early. You don't want to hear Fairy Tale of New York then, no? It's a bit early for a <laughs> And you know I've always got stuff for you to win. That's up to making my day, like. Be with me weekdays, 12 to 4. Simon Murdoch. Midday to 4 p.m. With First South Credit Union. For your needs are put before profits. First South Credit Union. Members come first. Is this, is this how we do it? Corks 96 FM. <laughs> the lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, that story coming out of Downing Street this morning. David Cameron is back in the cabinet. It just broke there and our uh, colleagues in London at Talk Radio just broke it in the last couple of minutes. He will be the new Foreign Secretary, the new Minister for Foreign Affairs. So he'll be meeting up with me Hall from time to time, so he will. That's that news breaking. Right, to the lines straight away. Travel call. Kieran, good morning. Hi, TJ, how are you? Good, sir. What have you got for me? There's an articulated truck on its side on the um, the halfway roundabout. No, traffic is flowing at the moment, but I said they're going to need a crane or something like that to get it back up in its wheels. Did you but come across be... it or did you see it happen or what? Yeah, I just passed it. No, I didn't, uh, I didn't see it happening, but I just came across it there now. Okay. Doesn't look, does it look like there's anybody hurt? No, no, it doesn't appear to be the guards around the scene now, but as I said, they're going to be, to get that back up on its wheels, it's going to be, we need, need a crane, so there'll be delays, I would imagine, going forward. It's going to block the Kinsale route, it's going to block all sorts. Uh, well, it, yeah, he's just beyond the, the turn off for the Kinsale, so you'll be able to get around the Kinsale, but carrying on to Inishannon, um, it's going to cause problems there, it's a... Okay, it's a big, 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 big enough truck, big, is it is two, two, big, yeah, two big, trailers big or one? Truck, yeah. Uh, just one. Just one trailer. All right, big truck, yeah. just after going over on yeah. that side. All right, Kieran, outside. thanks for that. That's near the halfway roundabout. Kieran has just called us to say there's a truck on its side near the halfway roundabout. We hope against hope that nobody is hurt in that one, but they're going to have to get a crane to lift it, so delays can be expected. You'll get through to Kinsale or you'll get out of Kinsale, but it's beyond the roundabout towards the Shannon side. Be in trouble. Thank you for that, Kieran. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. So, did you ever think about going abroad to get your teeth done? I know somebody who is away at the moment, getting their teeth done in Spain. And I must say, when I was in holidays myself, I was very tempted. Had a, a dodgy filling, which had fallen out. I was very tempted to get it done while I was away, but then sure, I didn't. Kind of thing. Um, 
But more and more people seem to be travelling away to have dental work done, as well as tummy tucks and hair transplants and all the other kind of things. But uh, dental tourism is a new thing, and when you get a big bill from your dentist or a big <laughs> a big cost uh, estimate from your dentist, you might be well tempted. Joe Shea is writing about this in Cork Bio, and Joe, that was your experience. You needed dental work done. You went to the dentist, and he presented you with a proposal, and you goes, "Oh my God!" Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Oh my God is right because uh, I got a, a dental plan, a treatment plan for my dentist. A very good dentist, in the way that most Irish dentists are. But the treatment plan was about as thick as a phone book, and uh, the bill was at least eleven thousand euro because I needed a lot of work done. Would you be a fellow who's, uh, who's neglected his teeth, Joe? Would you? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of Irish men, um, I, you know, I went, I went years between visits to the dentist in my twenties and thirties. I had fillings from when I was a kid. Didn't look after my teeth at all, and eventually, the dentist said to me, "You may need a bone graft, and you're definitely going to need at least three implants." Um, because at that stage, you know, my basically the back of my my mouth was in a very bad condition. So, but you know, eleven grand um, is is a lot of money. Were you in pain thinking, by the way with all this? In a bit, yeah, a discomfort more than anything else. But I knew, that, and the dentist said to me, "Listen, if you don't get it sorted now, you're you're never going to have good teeth for the rest of your life, and you need good teeth, right?" So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes his steaks. For, so <clears throat> that that was something that came into it as well. So, uh, but you know, I started. I know I had a friend who who went to um, who went abroad to the Czech Republic to get it to worked on a few years ago. So I started looking into it, but I found pretty quickly that you need to do an amazing amount of research if you want to do it right, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like, first of all, you need, I think, personally speaking, I think you need to say, if, if it's for kind of, cosme- a lot of people go abroad for cosmetic treatments, and that's slightly different, you know, veneers and all that kind of stuff, and Turkey is very popular for that kind of stuff. But for me, if you're going for, like, major work, like implants and bone grafts and stuff like that, you need to start thinking about um, staying within the EU. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, because it, the, this, this, the standards are very, very high in the European Union, there's controls, uh, and they also, you know, and you can go to uh, to the very good resources available online from people like um, globalclinicrating.com, which basically is an independent body that, that rates clinics for all kinds of treatments around sure. the world. And uh, they're great. And uh, so I basically just started doing my research. Mm-hmm. You went eventually to Budapest. Why did you choose Budapest? Well, um Budapest is it doesn't there's nearly twelve thousand Irish people go every year to Budapest for dental treatment, right? And Hungary has a really, really good reputation for dentistry and, and always has done. So I started looking at clinics in, in Budapest and I found a place called Helvetic Helvetic Clinics Budapest and the reason why they're called Helvetic is because they're owned by by Swiss a uh, couple of Swiss dentists in partnership with some Hungarian dentists and they've, they've been rated the number one clinic in, in Budapest since uh, 2014 so I kind of said like they've got to be good um, so I started looking at them uh, at those guys as well and, and looking at you know even Google reviews you know the way you look up a restaurant and see the reviews on, on Google mm-hmm. that, that's very good as well because there's hundreds of reviews there and from people who've already done what you're looking to do so you get all sorts of views but you get there's a lot of you know it's, it's a good way of kind of sorting out uh, the good from the bad in terms mm-hmm. of, of clinics and where you're going to go 
So that's where I went. I went in September and I went for uh, booked uh, flights, went over to Budapest, got picked up at the airport, straight to the, the hotel. The clinic is actually in a hotel which is owned by the clinic. So you, you're literally... Yeah, it's great because you check in at the uh, at the, the the desk, you know, you check in to get your room and all that kind of stuff, and then across the foyer there's the, the reception for for the clinic. Right. So when you need to, you just go across the foyer and you're in there, and, and they deal with you from there. So you had a lot to be done. How long were you there for? Well, I was there for uh, I was there for four nights actually, um, because shortly before I made the decision, an act, another filling uh, went to the back of my mouth again. So mm. that was another tooth. And that at that stage, I was looking at 13,000 euros. I mean, like, you know, this may not be for everybody, right? Because people have relationships with their dentists now and they know what they're getting yeah. and it's great. And if you think, it, you know, if that's the way to go and you can afford well, it. If you take someone like me, Joe, I have a lifelong yeah. fear of the dentist. Yeah. And I eventually yeah. found a guy. And when he moved clinic yeah. to West Cork, I now go to West Cork. Because this guy and me get each other. Do you understand me? So it's yeah. a very, it's an yeah. important relationship in your life, a good relationship with your dentist, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, but for this, it was, what I was looking at here was sort of like, you know, a kind of a one-off, even though I've got to go back for a second round now shortly. But it's a sort of one-off, once in a lifetime, four implants, major, major work with a major, major bill. So... Once I kind of reassured myself and I, and I talked to the people in Hel- Helvetic uh, clinics because they actually have representatives in Ireland, as a lot of them do, yeah. or not a lot of them, but as the best clinics have actual reps in Ireland that you can talk to. And talking to them kind of reassured me, to be honest with you, you know, because I knew uh, uh, saving the cost wise, of course, was very, very important for me. But I also wanted to be reassured because if, it go- if medical tourism in general, if it goes wrong, You're it can trouble. go very, very badly wrong. So four days, did they get all that work done in four days? Yeah, I had three, three sessions. They, I um, went in for my initial assessment. Then they gave me the best clean I've ever got in my life on my, on my teeth. And then I had two more sessions where they basically put in the kind of the posts where they'll screw the implants in when I go back the next time. Right. They gave me, um, and you get up, they, they, they sit you down, they take you through the various options, right? So there's there's different levels of, of implants, different types of implants. You know, uh, the ones that I went for, they recommended for me, said probably suit me best. They're Swiss made, uh, come with a full guarantee. You've got like, that's the other thing, the important thing if you're doing this to absolutely make sure that there's some sort of formal follow up, you know, if something goes wrong or if you need to go back and get something adjusted or whatever, that they're able to do that and they're willing to do that. Because, again, you don't want to kind of land back in Ireland, find out there's a problem and then, you know, have to go to an Irish dentist and say, you know, well, I'm sorry, but can you sort this out for me? You know, so that's important as well. So. And was there a lot of pain involved getting all that work done in a few days? Do you know what? I'm kind of like you because I, I I don't know if you remember the school dentist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That that was the reason. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I used yeah, to go to I the guard, the dentist, one time as well. He wasn't too handy yeah. either. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the school dentist that I had, I remember he was a he was an old man, and uh, I think he was using a hammer and chisel. To be honest with you, and uh, I I I really 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 have a phobia of dentists, right? I really do. But these no, this is like this is it's all high tech. It's all absolutely the latest equipment, and they're really good. They uh, the pain management was very was a big part of it. And I talked to my dent to my dentist and the rep in Helvetic Clinics in Budapest, and I said, listen. 
you know, um, what about pain management? And I said, it's okay, we'll t- take you through it. I actually, to be honest with you, and it's something I've done the last time I went to a big dentist, I got them to give me a little uh, cami down pill before I yeah. before I went in for the major work, and that that helped a lot as well. Like you know, yeah. yeah. Um, I like I honestly I honestly found it to be a very good experience, mm. and I was kind of coming back. They drove me the, the, the morning I was leaving to come back to Ireland to pick you up and bring you to the airport, and. Um, it, it's. I, I was glad I did it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm happy about heading back out there now again. The brass tax. You were looking at possibly twelve thousand here. Yeah, thirteen thousand. That was kind of basic because I would need more kind of treatment, follow up treatment later. And listen, it just. It just. That's what maybe made me look into it yeah. you know it's I'm not the sort of person who would have gone you know I've no problem with people going abroad for tummy tucks and hair transplants and, and, and veneers and all that kind of stuff if you've got the money and, it, and it's going to make you feel better great and you're prepared so to share how much you saved yeah um, it's, uh, my final bill the final bill come in at around 7,000 euro for four implants and, uh, and all the treatment around it that's you after know? your second um, trip now is everything yeah yeah after the second Crikey. trip yeah. That's some difference. You can make the savings are about half, basically, or or even more, depending on the type of treatment you need. You know, um, it's 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 very significant. And again, if you can afford to do it in Ireland, you want to do it in Ireland, and you've got a good relationship with your dentist because we have fantastic dentists. We do. Here. That's it's just the point. We have marvelous dentists here, and if you find a good one, you cling on to them for dear life. But it's so blasted oh, expensive. Yeah. Why is it so much dearer here? Do we know? Well, you, it's listen. Why is everything so much dearer here? You know, we, we we pay we pay way above the European average for pretty much every service you can think of, right? From phones to insurance to broadband to you name it. You know, we we pay more. And unfortunately, dental dental treatment is expensive in this country. And there's there's been reasons advanced to why that is. Mm. In that, you know, it's an expensive place to run a business. Um, materials cost a lot a lot here. All this kind of stuff. And like I said, I've nothing against Irish dentists because the vast majority of them, as we know, are really, really good. But it's just, it came down in the end to me. I could save half the money yeah. uh, by going to Budapest, to this crowd, Helvetic Clinics. And, and did that include now your flights and your hotel and all of that? The, the, the flights, the 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 hotel, um, the flights at uh, are on top of that, right? But okay. I got round, you know, I went with Ryanair basically, yeah. and you can, you know, if you if you're going off season midweek, all that kind of stuff, and you can plan ahead, you know, I'm going in a month and a half. They're not expensive at all. The flights, the hotel uh, is p- uh, part of the package. That's you know, with the, and and they'll they'll push up. Like I said, the great thing is you're not getting taxis from the hotel or wow. trying to find your way from the hotel to. Okay. You literally get down. Go down the lift from your room, walk uh, across the foyer, and there's the play. There's the the clinic. I'm thinking of the other bonus here too. If you're having that much dental work done in four days, you're going to lose a stone because you won't be doing much eating. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I, uh, I I was I I am a connoisseur of the soups of uh, Budapest. <laughs> I put it that you way. Are. But uh, you know the other thing as well. Budapest is such a beautiful, beautiful city, and it's been years since I've been there, and it's actually improved again from the last time I was there. So in, during the day, the downtime, I, I was I went to the hot, you know, the, there's a, the Geller Spa, the outdoor uh, hot baths in in Budapest. During the day, I went to that. One day, I went to that for the whole day uh, <laughs> because you got lots of time to wander around. And where I was staying was right in the city centre, a beautiful part of Budapest. So it's a, it's a beautiful city anyway. So you can just hang out there for the. You can't drink and you can't eat, but that's okay. So that's <laughs> Camille, while I have you, you are a connoisseur of British politics because of having spent so much time living in London. Have you heard these rumours over the weekend about a certain Mr Farage 
going to be on I'm a Celebrity and also saying he's joining the Tories and intends to lead them by 2026. Yeah, listen, he's getting paid 1.5 million, apparently, to do I'm a Celebrity. It's the highest they've ever paid anybody. And it's causing a huge backlash in, in, in the UK. And probably that's what they want. They People will tune in to see him because he's box office. Mm. You know, people will absolutely disagree with his politics. Some people might say he's a charlatan and a con man or whatever. You know, there's, there's lots of opinions about uh, Nigel Farage. But listen, Dave, David Cameron is has just been pictured walking yep. into number 10. He's going foreign to be the uh, foreign secretary. So, like, it's mad times in English politics. Crazy times in English politics. So if Nigel Farage going and I'm a celebrity mightn't be the most outrageous thing that happens this week. No, it'll, it'll certainly make it worth watching because we'd like, lo- love him or hate him and you can have whatever you want of him. He is yeah. compulsive listening and viewing because oh, yeah. purely you never know what you never know what going to say next like. Yet they're going to get their best ratings in years from from a celebrity. It's, it's going to people are going to tune in. You know, yeah. all right. It's, it's, it makes absolute sense that it's given one point five million in sterling to do it. Uh, I mean, I haven't watched it in years, but I'll watch it this year. If Nigel Farage is in it, Joe Shea, thank you very much. And uh, make of dental tourism what you will. Hotel treatment flights are extra, but hotel and treatment he saved nearly 50% what he was to be charged here, and he was going to Budapest. Now, Kate, you were saying, make sure it's Budapest and not Bucharest, because someone else you know had a, a bit they of bad to, experience. They had a very bad experience, and they're still suffering two years on, yeah. so uh, they're getting no satisfaction at all, and then another person I know went to have a canteen and stayed there and had a wonderful job done. Or they were charging four and a half here and they got it up to 2,000 yeah. in Anacanti. Yeah. That's yeah. huge difference, you know. And we're a European country. I cannot understand. They're all European countries. Why the hell are we paying so much here? It's a great... We're all, we're all in the EU. Yeah. It's worth looking into because... Can I, can I say something? Um, my husband was getting some dental treatment and the dentist goes, um, am I hurting you? And he said, yeah, you're hurting my wallet. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know, it is very expensive. It's very expensive here for anything, but I just can't understand, we're all in the EU, why the hell are we paying that big price here? Yeah, it's a good It's a good question and, and one worth looking into. Kate, thank you, the line isn't the best in the world. But there's the thing, Joe and Over got all that work done for, I'm, even, I'm, I'm, I'm actually even throbbing, my teeth are throbbing even thinking of what he did. Four implants and God knows how how much else he's have to do and in four days and it takes me like six weeks to negotiate with myself whether I'm going to book in to the dentist for a filling and I have a great dentist, good morning Eric if you happen to be listening um, down in um, in Clonakilty Eric Cotter, he was here in the city and we formed a great relationship and then he went to West Cork and I follow him down but I still have to pluck up the courage to go to the flipping dentist so I don't know how, I don't know how Joe found the courage to get all that done in four days, but fair play. 0818 96 96 96. It's a valid question, though. A really valid question. Why is dental treatment so much outrageously more expensive in this country than it is elsewhere? Like when I was on holidays uh, in, in Lanzarote, I had a feeling that was giving me trouble. And I said, well, I go and get it done here. I was talking to my pal Julian who lives over there and I said, how much would it cost me to get a filling done? And he told me there's a clinic. I get the bus to the clinic and he said, you'd be in and out for the filling for 40 quid. Like, I mean, hello. And yes, that does include an anaesthetic. 
I don't know. 0818-969696. Why is it so damned expensive to get your teeth fixed? I know someone who's in, I think it's in Malaga at the moment, or someplace like that, Malaga, and they're getting teeth done in a clinic in Malaga, and two grand as opposed to four and a half over here. See? It's, it's, why? Why is it that damned expensive here in this country? 0818-969696. Orla. Um, traffic. Morning. Hey PJ, because of the skills up on the middle Glanmire Road, the road is bumper to bumper all the way down from the Montanotti all the way up to the Coke Skills, so just let people know to avoid the area if possible. Um, guards had to move people on. You know yourself, it's just mental crazy up here. Now, the 9 o'clock rush is now the 10 o'clock rush this morning. And people were complaining about they're doing this with the schools and they're doing it with the school buses. We had that message earlier on this morning from someone who said, well, I've got to take my school, my, my son to school now for 10 o'clock because the buses are off and where's this red warning storm we were all supposed to get? And you can understand why people feel that way, but as Alan O'Reilly said, you make the prediction and you make the call in the best interests of safety. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Better to be overcautious and wrong, then undercautious and wrong is what Alan is saying. And I can't, I anyway can't disagree with him. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. As I say, George Shea of Cork Bio, and indeed occasional presenter of this year's programme, has just been to uh, Budapest and would be going there again for the second round of treatment on his teeth and saved around 50% on what was estimated here. Trevor, morning. Hello, good I'm, morning. What happened with yourself? Um, I basically had nine implants, nine teeth taken, uh, it was ten teeth taken out, nine implants, um, five on the top, four on the bottom, um, no pain. They put, they sedated me um, to have the treatment because I was very scared of the dentist as it was. So I did my research mm-hmm. and found out the sedation policy. Like only a few of them do it. You have to pay extra normally. Mm. But where, where uh, did in, you go, Trev? I went to Turkey, okay. Izmir in Turkey, which was a four and a half hour flight, but I managed to get that quite a decent price in the middle of July. So. That was good. I paid £250, which would be a little bit more in euros. Yeah, I know you're based in the UK and you're in Cork at the moment to see your mum, which is great. But like, with nine implants needed, you must have been in a bit of pain, were you? No pain. They get, what it is, is in um, other countries, they, the painkillers they actually give you are stronger. So I'm, I'm not... The only thing is they took my two front teeth out, so I'm talking quite funny now. No, you <laughs> no, sound fine teeth. to me, man. You sound fine to me. But it's painless. It was painless. The only thing was... The same as the, the, the first guy that spoke. I can't remember his name now. Joe. Uh, Joe, yeah. I went to Turkey because I did my research and I found that in England, and Ireland, I presume, is very... It's expensive as well in Ireland, but UK is now officially the most expensive country in the world to have your teeth done, believe it or not. Um, what did you pay for nine implants in Turkey? I paid for the full amount, um, 5,000. 5,000, what, 6,000 euro? Five, six, yeah, 6,000 six euro. And basically you can get deals where 
they will pay a certain amount towards your flight cost. Right. And did you have, like, as Joe had, Joe had accommodation with that, like? Yeah, I had accommodation, VIP pickup. Uh, every time I went to the dentist, the clinic, um, they would pick me up from the hotel, which mm. was a four-star hotel, very good. Had sauna there, uh, jacuzzi. Crikey. Everything, you know, and I, I just couldn't believe how well they treat you. And I'd recommend it to anyone. To what, what, would, now, what would that kind of work cost you in the UK now, Trev? Well, I was told 20, over 20000 Oh, my God. I was told, but I mean, maybe give or take a few thousand. But basically, I had loads of stitches, which dissolve yeah. after, after about six, six weeks. So it's a bit awkward at first. It's a lot of soup eating and soft foods. Yeah. But um, basically, I'm going back there now in January to finish the treatment. And I did my research, as Joe did, and uh, I made sure there were Swiss implants, yeah, yeah which is basically the, 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 the best implants are supposed, yeah. are supposed to be Straumann. Stris, uh, yeah, they're, Swiss. Almost as, they're almost as hard as the teeth themselves, which is... I mean, even my gum now, I can chew stuff on my gum a little bit more now. Yeah. Like, before I get, actually, the... Um, and also, a lot of people go for porcelain. Porcelain can chip. Yeah. I found out. So now they use zirconium um, uh, teeth. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a dentist, but that zirconium is the closest thing you get in hardness to, to genuine correct. teeth teeth enamel. Trevor, do you, do you get over and back to your mum very much? Always. My mum lost her husband for 60 years a little while ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm, off, I'm back and forth to Cork all the time, to be honest with you. Where, where are you based over? What part of the UK are you in? I'm in London in the UK. Okay. In Shepherd's Bush in London, oh, which good. was a big Irish community back in the day. Of course it is, yeah. Of course it is. Is your mum, your mum lives over here all the time, or was she in London for years? Or was she, she was in London for, for um, 40, 50 years, I think they were, just yeah. under. And then they moved back about 20 years ago. Okay. So, but basically, I recommend it to anyone. It's a shame that we have to go so far to do this sort of treatment. I'd, I'd agree with um, the other callers. Joe, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I was petrified. I'll be honest with you, from the dentist for years. So when I went there, they just did a small sedation, which was supposed to make you half sedated, half not. And when I woke up, I had no teeth. <laughs> and um, the, the people that dealt with me were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't recommend it anymore to anybody. And now okay. I'm going to go and finish my teeth. And you, also, you get a passport, uh, which is a teeth passport, that gives you a lifetime guarantee on the implants that have been put in there, and then the zirconiums, if treated well, minimum 13 years before you'd have to go and have them replaced. If you look after them, it could be for life. And is it true, then, that if you do have to replace them, all they do is they take off the top bit yeah, and put on the new implants, one? because your implants are there for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. And then they, they recommend you could go over there whenever you like, basically this dentist and I have been going for 20 years and whatever I'm not quite sure I mean that is a little bit of a risk I suppose because we don't know how long they like you know and um, basically that they, they, they polish them and white them again if you go back say in two years so good well but, that's a great I, I can't nine implants my goodness me and yeah, did, how, long, how long were you there did I, I was only there for four days <laughs> good lord <laughs> and I, and this is someone that's petrified. Oh, but God. the second time now, I'm going back for eight days because they want to get it right. You know, they want to get the bite right, everything right. So it, it's a, it, I recommend it to anyone. But there's also, I went to Ismir 
And if a lot of people go to a place called Antalya in yeah. Turkey... And That's it's, a popular holiday resort, actually. It's a it quite is. Good it's place, a beautiful yeah. place, apparently. Yeah. I, I, in one way, I, I might have wanted to go to Antalya. It's just that these guys came to London and um, I went to visit them. You know, they come over every now and again and they sold me it because... <laughs> and then I, after I went to visit them, I still went and researched everything else in Turkey and everywhere else, and I found out that, you know, there's some of them offering a cheaper price, but not the right equipment. You know, yeah. they'll be using Turkish-based equipment, and, yeah. and basically... You, you, you and Joe are both saying the same thing. Make sure that you do your research and know where you're going. Come here. With the state of, of, of the UK, you hear a lot. If you're to believe what you read uh, and see in the media, um, Britain is in the tank at the moment. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a yeah. mess. Is it? it? Is, uh, yeah. Well, to be fair... I'm mostly, I've been, for the last like, couple of years, I've been mostly coming to Cork, sort of thing. And I, I, it's in a state, but it's always the same. Do you know, do you, do you know what I mean? I mean, we, like, it's a bigger place, the UK. So we've kind of had, uh, I'm not being funny, you know, like, uh, um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a whole mess of everybody, sort of thing, all mixed together. So we're kind of used to all the... Um, different fractions of people over in the UK anyway. But at the moment, it seems like it's like getting to the boiling point of, I don't know, maybe... There's too many, like, Palestinians and Israelis that were marching yesterday. Apparently, there was no trouble, but then the media have said there was. There's a hundred and something people arrested. Before or after Brexit? Was Brexit a good idea or a bad idea? Looking back at it now. I don't know, really. I think it, it's the same. It's, 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 it? it's, yeah, I don't think there's much difference, to be honest with you. Mm. In the UK, I'd say financially, like everywhere, it's gone crazy since COVID. Yeah. Um, I find Ireland very expensive now. Yeah. You know, and um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I just think the, the whole world's gone mad, do you know? Well, well there, there could be nothing more mad than a certain Mr Farage... Uh, claiming that he can be Prime Minister by 2027. Well, to be fair, it's like jobs for the masses. I don't think he'd ever be Prime Minister, to be honest with you. Uh, I think he's claiming something that would definitely not happen. Do you know what I mean? But, um, you know, we've we've got all sorts of people running the country now, and the Conservatives kind of didn't even get voted in at one point until Boris Johnson came along with this let's leave Euro... That's right. uh, let's, let, let's leave the European thing and people got on the bandwagon for that and he was actually a, 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 the worst Prime Minister in history really yeah. I think, you know yeah. what I mean? And see where Mr Cameron, David Cameron's back in the in the cabinet this morning. David Cameron is the man who caused all this Brexit That's nonsense. Correct. You That's know, correct. he caused it all because he, he, politics 01, politics 01 Trevor, never yeah. make a promise you might someday have to keep. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Anyway, good talking to you, Trevor. And our best to your mum, uh, Trevor Daly. Uh, over and back all the time. Thank you, Trev. 0818-96-96-96. Yeah, Mr. Farage claiming that he will be leader of the Tories by 2026 and Prime Minister. Yeah, right. Uh, he's off to... I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. What's the betting he'll be voted for every single disgusting trial that they do? And he'd probably pass them all. I, I, I could see, I could see him winning it because people would keep him in it to see what he'll say and see what he'll do. 
0818 Would he be Prime Minister of the UK? Good Lord, can you imagine? Can you just imagine? But there's a thing, Dave, I remember this at the time of Brexit, and I don't talk about Brexit much, not as much as we used to at the time. But if you ever wanted someone to blame for Brexit, don't blame Boris Johnson. <laughs> blame David Cameron. He was the idiot that stood up and said, if you re-elect us, we'll have a Brexit referendum. Clown. I could be corrected on this, but I think she holds the record for having sold out the marquee in the fastest time in history. She sold it out like in... You'd eat your breakfast faster, slower than she sold out the marquee. Olivia Rodrigo, that's a driver's license. Um, I think I'm right. I must check that with Aikens, but I do think that that's, she was the fastest sellout in the history of the marquee. Uh, Olivia Rodriguez. 0818969696. What's the name of the clinic in Ismir? Do you know what he told me and I forgot to write it down? We'll find out from from, from him though, okay? From, from We'll find out from Trevor what the name of that clinic in, in Ismir is. And someone else says the cost of anything here is much, much higher because of insurance and because of claims and because of wages. You'd wonder, is it as simple as that? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Do you want the biggest hits? Yeah, we are really hooked on this now. Oh, this song is class. Oh my God, when I just heard it down, when I got into the car, it just bought it right back. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Cork's 96FM. Now, if dentistry and other things are expensive in this country, there's nothing more expensive, it seems, than rent. And the daft.ie rental price report for the third quarter of 2023. You know daft.ie do this every quarter. Rents here in Cork have soared up to nearly two thousand euro a month. The average is one thousand eight hundred and eighty two, as if the two matters. One thousand eight hundred and eighty, which gone up by ten point two percent over the past year. Which straight away brings a question to mind. Aren't we supposed to be in some kind of a rent pressure zone in Cork where you can't put up the rent by more than three or four percent? So that didn't look right to me. Con Nagel is at Global Properties in Ballancolly. Con, what's the story? Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Are we in a rent pressure um, zone or not? What's the story? Oh, we most certainly are. Um, but uh, And I've read the Daft report there now this morning. It came in good and early. Um, one thing to say is that Daft are not the letting market. They might have 20% of rentals available, but that's all they have. And predomin- predominantly, uh, they have the new, more expensive first-time lettings. They're the main ones that are advertised on DAF. Uh, cheaper rentals, those in the rent control area and all that, are not often advertised. Why would I, my own agency and global properties auctioneers, pay a few hundred euro to advertise a property to let when we maintain our own database of inquiries and can let the property without advertising it? 
So I said, daft is not the market. Oh, so, excellent you, you, so, so this, this figure comes out every couple of months, daft.ie does this survey, and you're saying that's daft's information. There is other information well, out there. Oh, there is, there is. The, the Residential Tenancies Board and all that do reports, uh, 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 etc. But daft are, are fair juice and they're the best at advertising themselves. I wish I wish I was as good at advertising myself and, and the services I provide. Mm-hmm. So what is but, the average ha- rent then? No, having said that, PJ, the average rent is a way too high. Um, you know, we we let houses here in global properties and all agents have the same problem. There's an awful lot of inquiries for every house and we feel so, so sorry for people who are looking to sort out a roof over their head, a home for them and their family. But there's just not half enough, not quarter enough, not a tenth of enough houses available to rent for people at the moment. You know, we can talk all we want. Government is great at talking. DAFT are great at talking. But what we basically need is more houses being built, whether they're for rent or for sale. I couldn't care less. It would be, somebody would be living in it. Somebody would have a roof over their head. Now, the Simon community came out with figures, Con, based on the, the last census. And they said that there is one for everybody in the audience in terms of empty houses for all the people in emergency accommodation in Cork. Something's wrong somewhere. Oh, yes, and I certainly believe that we should have a chat with our local representatives. There are an awful lot of Cork City Council houses boarded up, and I believe the average time to, from when a house, a Cork City Council house is vacated to when somebody moves back in is something like 13 or 14 months. Mm. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, are, are they saying that the person who was in it totally wrecked it? No, they didn't. Most city council tenants and all tenants city council or not, many of them leave the house better than they got it. But to, for the city council themselves to leave houses 13 and 14 months without reletting them is, is mm. a sin. If I'm renting from you today and I leave my house in what they call turnkey condition, you go in and hang up your coat, how quickly will you allocate it? I don't use the word allocate. <laughs> yeah, well, we, would re- okay. we would relet it immediately and with somebody leaving a house in, in Douglas now uh, Friday, and yeah. there'll be there's somebody coming in signing the lease agreement and all that today and getting the key this afternoon. So one working day. One working day. So what stopped we the council from doing when that the people moved into it? And I checked the place over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's what we in 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 the market do. That's what the landlord wants done. So at least that unit isn't vacant for more than a weekend. Yes, yes. Because once once the thing stands vacant, it stands just to go into disrepair. As well, K- K- or, or, there's, or there's no money coming in for somebody. Kate is suggesting that because so many politicians are landlords, we're never going to win. Is that, is that a big deal here? Well, I, I don't have any. I don't do any letty at the moment for any any politician. Yeah. So, but I wouldn't think so. Um, are, are we to say that 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 any uh, politician with a driving license can't make driving laws? Um, any politician who who has a drink can't say anything about drink. You know, we have to be careful what what we get and say. Mm. Um, politicians are are there's good, there's good, bad, and the ugly out there. Yeah. But for for the main part, they put themselves up for election. They're brave enough to do that. I'm certainly not brave enough to put myself up for election at any time. Yeah. Are we build, We're we're clearly not building enough. We're clearly not turning over voids in the councils fast enough. But are we not building enough? But every time we try to build, somebody objects. Con. Exactly. Um, people object for, for any house built next to them. 
Councillors object, a lot of people object, some of the objections are very valid, but a lot of it is, I don't want houses next to me. There was always a green field behind me, I want it there. The fact of the matter is, Cork is a very attractive location for people. There is jobs left, right and centre, and people want to live here. Yeah. Um, when I was young, uh, a foreigner was a Kerry man coming up to Cork. <laughs> now we have people from all over the world coming into Cork. And isn't it great, rather than having our own people leave uh, in droves, as when I did the Leaving Cert in 1986, we have people wanted to come in here, deciding that we are a great place to live. That then leads to problems. One needs to build more houses. Okay, we need to do that. Quickly and lastly, I know that you are involved in the business association there in Ballincollig. You're trying to raise money for the Christmas lights because it's become more expensive to put them up. Massively more expensive. Um, I don't think we'll have changed out of €35,000 this year for the lights in Ballincollig. Now, Cork City Council are brilliant. They, they give us a grant. Um, but that would probably go one third of the way towards it this year. Um, so we've we're, we've an appeal out there looking for more businesses to join the, the business association. Um, and for more and for people to to make a contribution already this morning, three different people have walked into my office with fifty euro notes for the lights. They have nothing to do with business. They just want they like the lights in Balancholic. They want it up for their grandchildren or for whatever. Sure. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, this is snowballed. The amount of interest in it is is, is unbelievable, and fantastic. we're delighted. But at the moment, the business association is eleven or twelve thousand euros short for putting up the lights this year. It's a phenomenal amount of money. It is. You, you have an event, though, on the 24th of November at the Castle West. You'll have a switch-on event. It'll put up what you can put up, put it that way. Oh, yes. The, the, listen, the lights will go up. Um, and, you know, but we could have a major problem in January collecting the money and paying the contractor. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll worry about that when we get to it, you. <laughs> I know, but we have to be prudent and, and put out an appeal looking for funds as well, to be fair. All right, and if anyone can help, they can contact the uh, Balancholic Business Association. Con Nagel of Global Properties, Balancholic, thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. Why is it that Con can turn over a property to a new renter in a working day? And the council can take a year or more. Why is it? Simple. X, Y, Z. Why is that? He can turn over a property that becomes vacant on Friday can have a new resident on Monday. Not so much with the council. Why? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. I will come back to this, but we mentioned there before the news that they'll have an event in Ballincollig on the 24th, the night of the toy show. I wonder what that's going to be like with Keelty doing it. Anyway, that's, uh, by the way, uh, the night of the Toy Show, the 24th, they have an event in Balancholic to turn on their Christmas lights. We heard on Friday that Fermoy have an event to turn on their Christmas lights. And now we found out on Friday, talking to Councillor John Maher, there probably won't be any event to turn on our Christmas lights here in the city. In fact, it's almost certain there will be no formal event to switch on the Christmas lights here in the city. I will come back to it, but people are not happy about that. 
I was looking at the Christmas trees this morning. There had some beautiful ones. And I was in town Saturday night as well with the missus. And uh, some fabulous trees going up. The lights are going to be gorgeous. The city, as always, will look brilliant. I can't wait to get in and wander around and just enjoy the Christmas atmosphere in, in Cork City and get in on the bus and get out on the bus. I can't wait. But a lot of people are really, really annoyed that we're not going to have any event. And, and, and the more people that I talk to about Ennis is another place. Mallow will have an event, I believe. Loads of places are having events to turn on the Christmas lights, but not Cork City. And it's it's not going down well. If you listen over there in City Hall and there's something you can do about this, uh, it might go well for you if you did. But that's something I will come back to. Annette, we're lucky we're having this conversation, if what I'm reading is true. Uh, your carbon monoxide alarm saved your bacon. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Oh, God, you sound hoarse. <laughs> I'm a little bit hoarse, but yeah, I'm just... I think I'm just more tired now and, um, yeah, probably still a bit in shock. What um, happened to you? Um, sitting in front of the fire on Saturday night, uh, the grand fire going, just myself and the three doggos at home, and next year about half of ten, the carbon monoxide alarm went off. Right. And um, frightened the bejesus out of me because I'd never heard it before. I didn't know what it was. And then the smoke alarm went off. I'm lucky I have all... The alarms, I have the smoke alarm and the carbon monoxide. And um, I just kind of looked around the sitting room and I realised that the, the atmosphere was gone a bit foggy, kind of, you know. Right. But at that stage, the carbon monoxide fumes had probably been in the, the room, I don't know how long, 10 minutes, 5 minutes. Because there's smoke. no smell from them and you can't mm-hmm. see no, them either. No, you can't see them, but the smoke had started to back up from yes. the chimney as well. So I was breathing in the smoke as well as the the... the Fumes. And had you had you dozed off like we often do? No, on the coast, not, no, not at all. It was wide awake. Yeah, wide awake. Um, so obviously that probably saved me in a sense as well because I thought if I had dozed off, mm. would the alarm have woken me? Probably would have, but you know yourself. Mm. Now you were feeling unwell, were you? Oh God, I didn't feel good at all, PJ. No, I mean when the alarm went off, and I got up out of the chair um, straight away, my head was woozy. I was all over the place. And so I opened the sitting room window. I opened the front door and the back door. Um, and as I was trying to walk around the house, as I said, I wasn't right at all. I was kind of all over the place. So I phoned the ambulance then um, because I know how dangerous the fumes can be. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, it was actually the fire brigade that arrived first. Right. And they... Actually, when they arrived, I was standing inside the sitting room window, even though I'd been told to get out the house. And they just roared at me to get out. Um, so I did. Um, they put me in oxygen and straight away outside. The fire brigade did. And then when the you went out, Annette, I'm interested in this. When you went out into the open air and you were able to breathe the clean open air, did that help or did you need the oxygen treatment? I needed the oxygen treatment. Wow. And wow. when the fresh air hit me, I started vomiting. I see. Yeah, so I don't I, like. I don't know if that's a common occurrence or not. Don't know, no, because people would always think, right? If you have a bit of a bit of a problem with the carbon monoxide, just get out into the open air and you'll be mm, fine. Mm, Perhaps mm, not. Mm. You're going to need help here. Well, I, whether it was because the fumes were in the house for a while, where they're building up, I don't know. I'm presuming that's what was that was the reason. Yeah. And um, so I was. Oh God, I was outside the house for a good hour, hour and twenty minutes, I'd say, on oxygen before. Um, the fire brigade cleared the house. Oh. And 
um, all I was worried about was my dogs. Yeah, I know. I wanted to get back into the dogs. But and are they all right? They're fine. My two neighbours came over, Meg and Rashida, and they were talking to the dogs over the side gate because the dogs were out the back of that stage. Yeah. And um, and they could hear my voice as well, so they were unsettled. They didn't know what was going on. And plus, of course, there was flashing lights all over the place and men walking around the house that the dogs would never have seen. So. Sure, sure. But, um, <clears throat> um, yeah, so one of the firemen said it to me afterwards um, that it's more than likely the smokeless fuel that we're burning is what's causing chimneys to block up an awful lot faster than the regular coal we used to burn. Really? Okay. Well, no, that, that's what he told me. Oh, and yeah, sure. Listen, them fellas know, you know. Oh, they do, they do. And, I mean, my chimney was due to be cleaned. It was being cleaned this week, actually. Um, and I clean, I get it cleaned every year, so it wouldn't have been, you know, very blocked or anything. Um, look, should I have waited to light the fire until it was cleaned? Perhaps. I mean, everything is a lesson, you know. Of course. But it was due to be cleaned this week. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and, um... Mm. If so, it wasn't um, for that monoxide, carbon monoxide alarm and it being yeah. the most natural thing in the world to do because I've done it myself, sit down mm. watching the telly on a Saturday That's night with the dog night. up next to you and off yeah. you go, sleep. This is it. No, I'm not one for falling asleep on the, the couch. I normally don't. I normally prefer my bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wasn't sleepy, but God, yeah, I can imagine if somebody was was sleepy, like, you know what I mean, or maybe had the door open and so the fumes weren't building up that fast, they probably would have been a goner, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I guess I, I, I'm just lucky the alarm went off. My landlord is amazing. He always has everything up to date in the house. So, um, yeah, I rang him on Sunday morning to say, Morris, you were spot on. Those alarms are vital. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, so it, it's just it opens the question. I guess PJ is this smokeless fuel causing issues in our chimneys that we don't we're not aware of. Yeah. We haven't been told about. And it's just something everybody needs to be careful about. I guess that's the reason why I said I talked to you this morning when Fergal asked me because people need to be aware of it. Like, yeah. is the smokeless fuel a bit of an issue and blocking our chimneys a lot faster? And if that's the case, then people need to get their chimneys cleaned more often and be careful. Yes, you're careful. Certain. Good point, Annette. Thank you for that, and I'm glad you're okay. Always good to talk to you. A nasty one there, near one with the carbon monoxide alarm Saturday night. Only for it going off, we mightn't be having this. Uh, conversation. Marion, the chimney sweep that was on me a week or two ago was saying you should get your chimney done every year if you burn your fire regularly. I, I wonder what she'd have to say. Maybe we can give her a call and ask her. Is the smokeless fuel that we now use for the right reason, environmentally, etc., is the smokeless fuel, while it's good to the environment and good to the sky above us, could it be dangerous in terms of blocking up the chimney? That's something we might ask Marion, the, the chimney sweep, and get back to her on it. But uh, glad to know that you're okay, Annette. But there, there you go. Getting out into the open air wasn't enough for her either. She needed oxygen for, for an hour or so, she said. 0818 96, 96, 96. Make sure that your carbon monoxide alarm has a battery in it and that it's up to date and tested and all that and in the right place. 0818-969696. I'm going to read this before I go to John. I'm wondering, could you help us? My sister came back on the last flight last night from Heathrow, arriving into Cork just after midnight. She gets home and she has the wrong bag. She has a bag belonging to somebody called Simon Darcy. Is there any chance you could call this out? I know you don't usually do it, but it's just that she has Christmas shopping in her bag for her children. And the other person is probably looking at that now 
and wondering where their bag is. If you could help, I'd be greatly appreciated. Okay, so Simon Darcy, whoever you may be, if you have somebody else's bag that has Christmas presents in it or any kind of thing like that, and it isn't your bag, well, your bag is safe, just in the wrong house. So if anybody can help with that, 0818-969696. Getting back to the rental and how Con at Global Properties can have a vacant property on Friday and reallocate it or reassign it or rent it out again for Monday, one working day, and it takes the, the, the council a year to do the same. Frank says that's because Con doesn't tear out all the fittings, strip the fireplaces and dump the furniture. Yeah, and pull out the kitchen. Yeah, Frank, they're still at it. They're still at it and there's no excuse for it. In 2023, you did right. I've been trying to find out for years why they still insist on doing that. And all you get is guff, if you get anything at all. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the Christmas lights. We know there'll be an event in Ballancolic. We know there'll be an event in Formoy. There are events being announced all over the place. But we heard on Friday from uh, the councillor, John. Oh, God, his name's going out of my head now. And that we will have no event. John Maher, no event to turn on the Christmas lights. They're due to go on on the 18th, which is next weekend, but there will be no event. And people are not happy. And a number of people said it to me over the weekend. You need to push this one a bit harder, PJ. There's nothing in the city for turning on the lights. We need to have something or a good explanation as to why we can't have it. It disappeared during COVID because we couldn't do it with COVID, but it never came back. John? Good morning. How are you? Are you like me? You want to see an event? I do indeed, and they're hiding uh, the whole health and safety thing. That's what they're highlighting, PJ. No, if you go back to uh, 2019, I mean, it's caused the health and safety because what they've done that, and I was there, so I saw myself personally, they blocked off all the side streets with barriers. So it corralled all the people into Patrick's seat, and then you had people down at the very end by the stage. You had people going right back up to where HMV was. There was nowhere to go. There was kids getting sick and because they were smothered with the crowd and everything, and people trying to get out with their smallies, and they couldn't get out. Mm. So it's the council and the decisions they took to close off the sizes, I mean, to allow people to come and go, it's their cause the health and safety problem that night. Now, I'm sure they would say... John, that that's what they were advised to do for health and safety reasons, one way in and one way out. Well, you know, isn't it amazing, you know, like before, as I said, look, uh, I take you back, not to 1974, not to 1964, not to 1954, but the 10th of October, 1864. Oh, thank God. The there was, un- no, John, there was neither of us around then. I was, I was half afraid you were going to say something. Go on. No, no, I wasn't even there then. <laughs> Well, seriously, the unveiling of Father Matthew's statuaries on yeah. the 10th of October, 1864, 100,000 people turned up. And there was no health and safety. Nobody was trampled. Nobody was killed. Nothing happened. Michael Collins' came- speech, John, I only saw, I got a chance to stand next to the new statue uh, the, other mm-hmm. more, the other night for the first time ever to get so close to it. And it's fabulous, by the way. There, yeah. there was 80 or 90,000 people at that speech. There was, and as I said, you could get 100,000 people, Father Matthew and the Patrick said at the time, I mean, no, here we are, 
2023 and we can't even put up a couple of uh, uh, light snow. Uh, well, to me, I, I will go right back to 1971, 72, because I believe Kijuabi had that then. It was a kaleidoscope of colour and Patrick said they were only coloured bulbs and stuff like that. But they took over the whole street. Yeah. And Christmas is all about, and you definitely agree with me, it's about being gaudy, about being over the top. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. And that's what we had at that stage. And it was better than the no. If the doc turned up in the DeLorean, I'd jump in and he said, where do you want to go, John? No, I, want to, John, I, like, I, I see what's going up. I'm in a position to see it every morning as I drive in yeah. uh, and yeah. I drive up Pat Street and I see what's going It's going to be lovely and North Main yeah. Street and I'll plug, they're going to be fabulous. Let's not, let's not, you know, downplay it. But, but, and Emmett Place, from what I'm told, where, where this new Solace project is going to be fantastic. But an event to switch it on would be so nice. It would, of course. And, I mean, there, there is a doubt over the whole gloating is done out as well. I mean, and uh, the, the... Well, Bishop Lucy Park is out of the picture this year because they yeah, worked I mean, on that, it. That, that's a disgrace, like, I mean, really, like, I mean, I mean, again, you know, they could have relocated it somewhere else. Here we go. Well, that, that's what they're doing in Emmett Place, I believe. Yeah, but is it big enough there? It's a huge, I don't know, there, but the whole thing is looking. I'm amused as well there because the city, uh, I love the city, like yourself, and I like to socialise. I refuse to give in. I don't care how unsafe people tell me it is. I will never go in, stop going into my city, right? But I'm disappointed with the business people as well that they're not beating down the door of Cox City Coast to say, no, no, this is not on. We're fighting against Mahanpine. We're fighting against all the outline shopping centres, right? We need this, like, we need the people to come in. We need the switching of the lights on. John, that's a great point you're making. That's a fantastic yeah. point you're making because yeah. we're talking about Fromoy and we're talking about Balancholic and all these places. The individual centres, Wilton and Mahon Point and yeah. Douglas and Douglas Court will all have their big day. Like we're down in, in Douglas on the street fleet down in Douglas on Saturday for the switching on of their lights and Santa arriving. Big day. They'll all have their own big day. Cork yeah, City will have no big day. And, and I guarantee you, the poor souls down in Middleton, what the hell they went through there, they'll have their lights up. They will. They will. Yeah, I guarantee you. And yet there will be, be no official switching on in Cork City, like for the people of Cork. And as I said again, I would say to appeal to the business people of Cork, come on, for God's sake, petition, petition the, the Cork City Council. Get them off your backside here, like... I mean, you need the people to come in. You need the, the economy to keep ticking over, like... So come on, put on the pressure. John, thank you. 0818969696. John and myself would row a half a dozen times a year. But he's on the ball here. He's on point. It is not good enough. No, was, we were in town Saturday night, myself and the Queen Bee. Went to see a show in the Opera House. The show was no great shakes, so we went for a few scoops and we wandered around, went into Woodford and had a drink there and was a great jazz band in there and the city was looking nice and you know it was wet it was a horrible wet evening but the city was looking at and the trees were going up and I was just really excited about how it's going to look in a couple of weeks time but it's not good enough that we don't have an event simply not and I'm saying this and I know they listen across the city hall and I know they're probably going what is he on about it is not good enough that we don't have an event to switch on I'm looking down to Patrick Street and I'm seeing what's going up, and it's going to look lovely. And as I drive up in the morning, I see the trees, I see the lights going up, I see the, the vans out, the electricians working through the night. And it, you know me, I'm a bigger child than any other child. And I want a big night to turn, a big evening, a big event to turn on the lights. I want that wow moment. I want thousands of people inside there, and I want people clamoring in for a burger afterwards and 
maybe a drink and a bit of fun and, you know, I want and, and for, for the City Hall simply to blame health and safety, three words with that, not good enough. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The 96 FM Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a non-profit organisation, or if you're involved in a fundraising event, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email your events details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Remember that message we read out a while ago from someone who got the wrong bag at the airport last night um, and has a bag belonging to someone called Simon Darcy? It, I, I never thought I'd have an opportunity to quote this line on radio. It is a truth university acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. That's the first line in Pride and Prejudice. Mr. Darcy, I'd say you've heard that a million times. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Peter. How are you doing? I'm very good. I've heard that now. I won't lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> it came in about it came in about twenty minutes ago f- from from Lisa. Uh, okay. Sister came back on the last flight from London last night. Grabbed a bag. Yep. Has the wrong bag. She has your bag. Yes. The flight was delayed coming in last night from from Heathrow, and we arrived in, and I was. Stood at the conveyor belt looking for my bag, and my bag never showed up. And a bag that looked like my bag was a lonely bag going around the conveyor belt, and I was the last man in there. And I thought I'm in a bit of trouble here, so I had to take the bag that looked like mine and figure it out from here. And I just got a phone call from my mother saying I'm I'm all over the radio. So what's in the bag? What's in the bag? In my bag, there's going to be uh, an Arsenal jersey. I tell you that one anyway. I put at the top of the bag. Because uh, I was at the game at the weekend, and uh, yeah, there's a couple of pants and a, and a, and, a, and clothes. And uh, have you, you opened know, the no, bag? No, no, that... Nothing too exceptional, but there's an Arsenal jersey in there that I'd like to have back. And have you opened the bag that you got? I haven't because there's a, there's a sticker on it that is definitely not my name. So I said, look, I know it's not my bag, but uh, yeah. So I, st- I stayed away from the PJ. Right. Well, we know whose bag it is. And we'll okay. put the two of you together off the air and you can be re- reunited with your precious Arsenal top. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Fantastic. Simon, good man yourself. Were you, were, were you just over for a match, you were? I was, yeah. We went over Friday and came back on Sunday evening. So late in, got in late at midnight and uh, no bag for Simon. So that was, it was an interesting all evening, I'll tell you that. Season <laughs> season ticket holder, or would you just go? Oh okay? no 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 no! I don't have that kind of money just yet, PJ. <laughs> yeah, what what is the cost of a decent match ticket in London now? Oh, uh, fairly hefty price. Um, you have to you have to pay uh, resale resale prices can be anything they want it to be. So you pay through the nose. Yeah, but, those uh, of us it could be any, anything from hundred to you know if you want to get the what the Roy Keane said the prawn sandwich tickets they go for a good couple of hundred if, if you want them. Yeah. Those of us who those of us who who um, uh, go to late Orient from time to time, it's they're slightly cheaper. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you might be more expensive to go to Turner's Cross. I think. <laughs> go on now, stop. <laughs> well, look, we'll sort the bag out and get you back in touch with that Arsenal jersey of yours, Simon Darcy, Mister Darcy. He's probably too young for Pride and Prejudice, but I just wanted to read that line out because both my wife and my sister-in-law. We'll be delighted that I did. And that's all I need to say to you.
They've probably watched it on television a hundred times. They've read the book a thousand times. Never thought they'd have me hear me quoted on the radio, though. Thank you. We put them in such each other off the air. Simon, thanks. Okay. Yeah, on the council. Are they related to the Grinch? Says this phone call. The council wants to steal Christmas memories from the kids. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough. Just to decide, no, not having an event. No, no. And blame health and safety. You can blame health and safety for anything. I have a friend who I shall not name at this point in time who would be fairly highly qualified now in matters to do with health and safety and would have a fairly good handle on what is genuinely a health and safety matter and what is not a health and safety matter. And what he would say to me is the number of things blamed on health and safety that have shackled to do with it. 0818 96 96 96. Now on Saturday around a thousand people turned up in the city for a march in support of the Palestinian people and we all know what's happening in Gaza. Five weeks ago for last Saturday it all started in the early hours of the morning and it has been the biggest international news story since and it continues and it is heartbreaking heartbreaking and uh, last week I talked with Dr. Isildin Abelesh um, the Palestinian doctor based in Canada and I see it the weekend for he has now said maybe we should expel the Israeli ambassador from Ireland to send a strong message to Israel to sit down and talk and stop what's going on over there Um a man who's made his life and become hugely popular with his Is Cafe in Cork over the last number of years is Isadine Alcare from Is Cafe. Is good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning to you and good morning to your audience. Five weeks ago for last Saturday, uh, hell, un- hell was unleashed in your part of the world for not the first time. Yeah, it was not the first time, and unfortunately, and this uh, looks like the worst ever. Uh, thousands of people are being murdered every day. It's um, a live catastrophe. Uh, it's a live massacre being uh, committed. Uh, just uh, uh, and the world is just watching. Unfortunately, we are unable to do anything. Yeah, like what it started with was an atrocity carried out by Hamas. But what has happened since is just appalling, isn't it? Well, definitely, yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, well, the clock did not start 7th of uh, October, yeah. definitely. Uh, we we regret any death, any, any uh, uh, innocent uh, uh, person who dies is a regret. Definitely, we don't accept that. But that does not justify what happened after that. No. Are you in touch with people at home, is it in? Uh, well, my family is uh, living in West Bank. They're relatively safer because there is no uh, airstrikes or uh, it's, it's not similar to what's happening in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, in West Bank, we have a lot of uh, clashes with the uh, soldiers and with the uh, uh, aggressive settlers. 
but it's nothing compared to uh, the the uh, uh, like mass killing uh, that's happening in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, I have two staff members who have a family in Gaza. They, they, they like the communication with them is uh, uh, is very scarce now because uh, they are losing power and internet and communication. Uh, they, their house is uh, is is uh, well. They left their house like a few weeks ago, but their house they knew that their house was bombed. And they are sheltered in one of the schools. Even the schools now are not safe anymore. Even the hospitals are not safe. No place is, is safe in Gaza. Mm-hmm. I was talking uh, last week yeah. to a retired engineer from the Cork County Council who wanted to move back. Um, and he had moved back, but he got out again. And his wife is still in there. And he doesn't even know if she's still alive. Like that, That's awful yeah. worry for people. Yeah, it's 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 unsafe for everyone, and definitely everyone who has a family member back in Gaza, uh, he's living uh, like his uh, worst days now with uh, uh, all the worries, you know, about uh, your beloved ones. You cannot even uh, live a normal life. You cannot eat normally when you know uh, they can't find anything to eat or drink. Yeah, <clears throat> a wise man once said to me, Izzedine, he said, don't think you understand this. This goes back far too long for understanding of Western minds. And and he may be right. His name was Timur Goskell. He may be right. But what you look at now, that's appalling. It has to stop, doesn't it? It has. The guns have to be put down. The bombs have to stop flying. It has to stop. Definitely, definitely, it's uh, it's not acceptable in in 2023 uh, for a whole nation to occupy uh, another whole nation and uh, demand uh, everything and uh, not feeling feeling obliged to give anything. Uh, people are being taken hostages for about 20 years so far in Gaza uh, with no hope. Uh, their lives are controlled, uh, their resources are, are being uh, minimized uh, to the level that keep keeps them alive, no freedom uh, to live or, or uh, to practice a normal life. That's not acceptable. And uh, when, when people respond and try to, to resist the occupation, they they, they, they blame them to be terrorists, uh, which is also not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are we are we are not terrorists. We are we are people uh, aiming for freedom uh, and aiming to to uh, uh, like uh, make a better life for our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you bring up the issue of of children and the pictures and the videos of what children are going through in Gaza. It's it's actually you can't you you can't watch them. You can't look at them. It's it's horrible. It's horrible, yeah. Unfortunately, the, the, uh, we are seeing only part of the picture and uh, what's happening on the ground is much, much worse, unfortunately. Yes. Because news outlets, and this is true, news outlets and editors in newspapers and television, when they get a selection of video or a selection of photographs, they have to pick the ones that we can take, the ones that we can Definitely. actually yeah. look at. I mean, it, 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 it must be... 
the reality is 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 a hundred times worse. And you know, we're coming up, is it in? As you know, I mean, Bethlehem is in Palestine, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, we're coming up to the celebration. The world will celebrate the birth of a child in less than six weeks' time, while thousands yeah. of children are dying needlessly every day. There's something we need to cop on about, isn't it? Definitely, it's 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 very sad uh, that they like the lives of uh, Palestinian children, uh, like looks like doesn't matter uh, to to the to the to the world. Well, I I I I'm certain that it it matters to to millions of people. Like it's only the governments who are not taking uh, the proper actions to to stop it. Uh, all all people all around the world, I think, are supporting Palestinian cause and and and, and uh, uh, there is huge support for the Palestinian cause. There always has been in in Ireland. Yeah. It a ceasefire has to happen. It, the, the guns have to stop. The bombs have to stop. But you have uh, Bibi Netanyahu saying that if they have a ceasefire, Hamas will only regroup and and, re, and rearm, and that's why he says no ceasefire. What would you say to that, Isidine? Well, he is right. Palestinians will not stop resisting. If, if Hamas is wiped, that's fine. Wipe Hamas. There will be another group who will resist. The idea of uh, accepting the, the occupation does not exist. It's, it's mm-hmm. only in their dream. Uh, occupation must end, and occupation is the original source of terror. Uh, they are the terrorists, and not you, us. Like you'll know, you'll know, Doctor Abelish. I'm sure you might have heard my interview with him here last week. A remarkable man lost has lost nearly thirty members of his family in various conflicts over the years, and still he campaigns for peace. He believes in two states. He believes in sorting something out between the two peoples, and he he firmly believes in his heart it can be done. Do you? Well, at certain stage, we Palestinians believed in the two-state solution, and we, we, you, you know, our leadership signed the Oslo Agreement, and the, uh, it, it was supposed to be a, a viable solution, but Israel never implemented it, and never withdrawn, and never uh, stopped the settlements, and never uh, give, never like never accepted giving us. Uh, the, 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 comment, the commitments that they had in Oslo Agreement, and uh, on, on on the other hand, they they, they continued expanding and building more settler uh, settlements and uh, confisca- confiscating more lands. And uh, uh, there, like, there, there, there was nothing, a, there nothing, was a deal, and they refused to keep it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, it didn't work, unfortunately, and uh, they changed the situation on the ground. That makes a two-state solution uh, not realistic, actually. Yeah. Uh, All we want at this stage, whatever the solution is, whatever the solution is, we have to stop the children from dying, don't we? As is absolutely, absolutely. Must yeah, stop that, the that, that's the most urgent demand at the moment. We we must stop the killing machine and the the, the sadistic celebration of uh, their media, uh, watching the the uh, buildings and the hospitals and the schools being bombarded and celebrating them. All right, Isidine, thank you. I wish you and uh, all those who are with you fe- um, all the best, Isidine Alkari of Is Cafe here in Cork. The stuff you're seeing is only a third, if not, if even that, 
of the reality. Um, but there you go. I mean, and look, you you can be an atheist if you want to be, but if you're a Christian, as huge swathes of our people still are, if you're a Christian, if you have Christian beliefs, in less than six weeks' time, we will celebrate the birth of one child in a stable in Bethlehem in Palestine. Okay? There's thousands of children dying every day. So I would think, I'm going to throw this out there for what it's worth. Some people, some people will agree with me, some people will disagree, and that's okay too. If you're a Christian and you believe in Christmas that we Christians will celebrate in, I don't mean Catholic, I don't mean Protestant, I don't mean anything. If you're a Christian and you believe in the celebration of six weeks' time from now, you also believe that the killing of children has to stop and has to stop now. 0818 96 96 96. Um, yeah, smokeless fuel and Annette's rather frightening story a few uh, minutes ago. Smokeless fuel is lethal. My room got filled with smoke last week. The smokeless nuggets, they just go red and they don't flame up. I think we're better off with coal, even though the greens won't have it. I worked in the area of fuel all my life. and The smokeless fuel is being stored in damp conditions and that's not helping with the burning process. Make sure you have a carbon monoxide alarm. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. I think there's a lot of feeling out there, uh, huge sympathy out there for the the Palestinian people and the children. And uh, Dr. Isidin. Um, Abalesh was on another was he really actually on Piers Morgan he's the biggest Piers Morgan's show on talk TV in the UK is the biggest YouTube success in British television history he has like a million viewers on YouTube pretty much every night as Piers Morgan but he had Dr. Isild a few days after we had him hey (laughs) I beat Piers Morgan to this one um Isildin Abelesh was on with uh, Piers Morgan one night last week. It's it, it's worth a watch. It's a stunning, stunning interview. But I see over the last day or two now where Dr. Abelesh, and you can find his interview with me on our podcasts, he is now saying that maybe the time has come to expel the Israeli ambassador from Ireland to demonstrate that the Irish people are not pleased with what is happening over there. And, and and he's a man of peace and has devoted his entire life to the pursuit of peace in that part of the world. And I think talking to him and listening to him and reading him and his book and whatever, he actually, I don't think, cares how it comes about once this peace and the dying stops. 0818-9696-96. Back to much lighter things. Uh, and the... 18th of November is when the lights will go on in the city and everything will be lovely, hunky-dory, absolutely marvellous. But there will be no switch on. And it's disappointing. And it's not good enough. Mary, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You agree with me and you agree with John. It's not good enough. No, it's not. Like I mean, this health and safety and all this, I mean, they're all they're all the modern-day plaudits for we're not going to do it. Do you know what I mean? It can be done. It was always done. I mean, I've been taking my kids in since they're all adults now, but since they were smallies. And sure, I remember like standing up on the steps there by 
outside the around the corner from um, you know where the old examiner office was I and do, all that. I do, I do. We climbed up those steps and just by the chateau. Up there, and yes, by the chateau. And no one ever said a word to us. We were able to roam around all the streets, find our spot. But like as John said, 2019 was horrendous, and it was it was the the city council that closed off all the streets. Like myself and my daughter, we took uh, my two grandkids that we left the small fellow at home because he was only a baby. Um, we took the two in. Uh, Saoirse was six, Dara was three. And we went up and down side streets trying to get onto Patrick Street. And it was like, no, sorry. So then we were all turning back against the people coming towards us. The children were getting nervous. Like, is this okay, Nana? Are we, are we going to be all right? Mm. I mean, it should have been a lovely family night out. Go get an ice cream afterwards, get a donut, something. Mm. But, like, instead of that, it was like a survival just to see the lights. Like, we ended up, we did end up on Patrick Street by Dunn's Stores. And we just stood the two kids up on the like the bollards there by by Duns just to get them off the ground really, mm. and just stood around them both of us. And um, but like they were happy then the lights went on and everything was great. But like it was it was crazy and it was all caused by the closing off of the streets. Mm-hmm. Like we always wandered around and found a spot, you know. Like and as well as that, it brings people into town that mightn't be people that come into town, do you know what I mean? And the businesses will make a few bob out of it. Mm. It's crazy, like. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I remember taking I calls here it. about that uh, in 2019 yeah. and being mm. here, the, 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 I had been at it on the night I came in. Yeah, um, for, for the. Uh, but, yeah, it was. It was very packed and you couldn't get in, you couldn't get packed, out. Yeah, one way yeah. in, one way out. And the following day, people were ringing me here saying you know, they, they felt packed, mm. felt unsafe. But there's got to be a better way to do it. There must be. I mean, like... Let's not have all the closing off. Like all those side streets were practically closed off that year. Like people will, people will find a natural flow and they'll find a spot. Mm-hmm. And like just put bigger screens, put screens down the Grand Parade yes. if that's what it is. Don't corral everybody into Patrick Street. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I seem don't to remember the, the businesses as well. Place. Sorry, Mary. Yeah. I seem to remember the businesses as well ringing me up saying, "Come here, that's one of our best nights of the year." Of the- course. People yeah. coming in for the tea and the bit mm-hmm. of dinner and whatever, and before Absolutely. the lights or after the lights, and yeah. it would, they lost out on that. Absolutely, and I mean, no, it's so hard for businesses to make their 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 takings. I mean, it must be they must be just devastated, you know, mm-hmm. like the money they would make on a night like that. Like people go in early, they they go to a restaurant, they have a bite to eat, wander out onto the streets. You know, so it doesn't make any sense that the council want people in the city. They want people spending their money. And then they're saying, no, sorry, you can't. We'll just throw the switch and they'll be on the next time you're in. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you look at it and you see from I have an event, Ballancolic have an event. As John predicted, and I haven't confirmation of it yet, but I think he's probably right. Middleton, devastated and all as it was in the Mm. storm. They'll have something. And they're going to, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I in this, I like, see a friend come... of mine who used to work in this radio station one time, or up the road in mm. C103. He's he's involved in the Ennis switch on next mm. week. Do you know, like, if, every, if everyone else, Dublin will have one. Of course. Exactly. And I mean, Dublin is, <laughs> like, we're, I know we're, we're, we're a big city, but God, if Dublin can do it safely, why can't we, do you know? Yeah. That's crazy. It's, they just don't want to do it. That's the bottom line, PJ. They don't want to do it, like, you know, this. 
and then they'll put all the plaudits out about health and safety and all that. And mm. They just don't want to do it. Health and safety, you see, here's the thing. As I said before, I won't mention the person's name, but I, I do happen to have a good friend who's very highly qualified in health and safety. And a simple mm-hmm. matter, simple thing is, if you want to do something like this safely, you sit down with a qualified health and safety expert and you say, here's what we want to do, how do we mm. do it? Absolutely, and, and, and that can be done. That's a few meetings around the table with the, the people who know their stuff. And, and, and off you go and you, you, you organise it. Yeah. You know, it, is, it can be done. Anything can be done. Anything can be if done. You want to do Whether it. it's Christmas lights or anything else, anything can be done if you have the heart to do it. Yeah. I remember years you ago, know? we were, we were, we were <laughs> approached here. God, it's maybe 2015 now. Could we even 2016? by the people down the coal cave. They had no Christmas tree on the coal cave. And we made a bit of noise here. Mm. And we kind of said, not good enough. And now they have a beautiful Christmas tree down the end of the coal cave with big lights. It can be done if you want to do it. Now, I know know it's it's six weeks away. It could be a bit tight to do something now, but... Well, I suppose this year is probably written off, really Mm. being realistic about it, like because whatever would be organised now would be organised in a rush and... All you need then, you see, is organise something in a hurry, right? Something happens and then, well, we told yeah. you so. Oh, sure, look, and that would be, you know, that would that would be the answer to what they've been saying all along then, you know. But next year, like, sit down early in 2024 and, yeah. and get the heads around the table and get the thoughts out, you know. Yeah. Do a bit of... Uh, Listen, they brainstorming. John, John Dolan has his first meeting on the Holly Bow in January. There you you go. need to start planning Christmas lights mm-hmm. in January too. Mary, thank you for your call. Uh, good to talk to you. 0818 96, 96, 96 Tom says that lady is making so much sense. A big organisation like this can't organise a public event. There's no sense whatsoever to it. No, no, definitely. And I'm saying this straight out. And I don't care who's listening in City Hall. I don't care who's offended in City Hall. I don't care who will go, I hate what he's saying. It's not good enough. Not good enough. And I'll stand in front of the chief executive herself or anyone who wants to Not good enough. Come here, Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Back tomorrow, Cox 96 FM. The madness resumes at 6 a.m. Four grand uh, across two rounds of the two grand minute. It's sound effects story day. And you can win big with flannels. They have vouchers for flannels all this week. There was a bit of fun <laughs> this morning as well where uh, Shane was on the phone. He was very convincing using French. He tried to do the two grand minute in French. This was funny. Question 10. Who designed the Eiffel Tower? Oh. Oh. Oh, tour. Um, Monsieur... Monsieur. Monsieur Eiffel. Monsieur Eiffel. Monsieur Eiffel. I'm not sure if that was French or if it was Grand Abraha. Monsieur Eiffel. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Weekdays from 6 a.m. Cork's 96 FM. Still the best answer of a while in the two grand minute. Who designed the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower? Monsieur Eiffel. I mean, he's right. Do you know what I mean? That's it from us for today. Program edited by Imer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll put all your podcasts up ASAP, and we shall talk to you tomorrow. Just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.